This episode is brought to you by Auth0. That's Auth0.com. In this episode, we get to speak with entrepreneur, Google developer, expert, speaker, Basil Abbott. We discuss how he is using technology to change an industry. Welcome to Thunder Nerds. I'm Brian Hinton. And I'm Frederick Weiss. And thank you so much for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do. And do tech good. And our sponsor, Off Zero, is helping us do tech good all year long. Brian? Yeah, we'd like to thank them again for uh, sponsoring this season. Uh, they make it easy for developers to build a custom, secure, and standards-based unified login by providing authentication and authorization as a service. To try it out, go to authzero.com. Authzero is also on both YouTube and the Twitches under username authzero with some great developer resources and streams. Uh, also, make sure to check out the Avocado Labs. Who doesn't love avocado? It's an online destination uh, that their developer advocates run, organizing some great meetup events. And again, remember to check out AuthZero.com today. Love it. Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And go ahead and start live chatting with us now. We'll answer your questions in the order they are received. Uh, additionally, make sure that you subscribe to the show. Uh, go to youtube.com slash thundernerds. Click that notification bell for alerts on new videos. And we also have exclusive subscriber giveaways. So please check that out. Do it. Uh, so yeah, please just, just do it. <laughs> so now with uh, that being said, and without any adus being furthered, let's go ahead and welcome our guest. We have an amazing human being on the show joining us again for the, I don't know, the third, fifth, eighth time, we have <clears throat> speaker, entrepreneur, Google developer expert, Faisal Abbott. Faisal, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Welcome. welcome. <laughs> I love being yeah, on man. the show. I think it is my fourth time probably, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah may, maybe even more than that. I mean, I could think that of when you first were on our show, way back when you had shorter hair, uh, and I don't think it took that long to grow, but way back in 2018, maybe, we were at so, uh, DevFest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was right. in person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we, we really appreciate you um, coming on the show and providing your insight and your knowledge uh, every time. It's uh, It's always super fun and entertaining and uh we you know we, we love having you on so uh with that yeah. being said let's uh let's let's get to know you a little bit uh for the people that might not know you can you just uh tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in general in your in your own words yeah uh, i'm Faisal. um what do i do so i'm i'm an engineer entrepreneur whatever uh what i really do is i try to solve really hard problems Sounds pretty vague, but right now the problem that I'm solving is in the space of death. 
which is uh, Irene Cremations, and that's what I'm working on. Aside from that, I do Google Cloud Consulting, uh, AI, machine learning, all sorts of stuff. So just kind of have my hands in everything with like a big focus on solving hard problems. Well, let me ask you then, where are you, uh, where are you currently working? What's your, what's your actual, um, uh, maybe I shouldn't employ the word actual, huh, employ, a lot of uh, connections there. What is your actual day job, uh, you know, your, your nine to five and, and what do you do there? What's your, what's kind of your day to day like? Uh, I, I guess my day job would be I'm a juggler. Uh, because um, what I really do, most of my time is spent on Irene. Um, mm -hmm. And that is just understanding the product and like user UI, UX, product development, customer service, sales, marketing, like whatever. I am involved in that. And then outside of that, uh, I, I am now VP of engineering. So I've shifted my role to focus internally uh, at Bitstrapped. And that's where we do a lot of Google Cloud Consulting and working with clients, building out ML machine learning and like ML ops and stuff. So the people that know you probably think of you as more um, someone in a traditional sense of tech technology, yep. right? So yep. um, now now you're 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 in this company. You, maybe you co-founded it. I'll, I'll let you explain yep. in your own words, Irene, which I, I believe is the Roman goddess of peace. Is that right? Yeah, it's the it's the Greek goddess of peace, I believe. Greek. But yes, yeah, Perfect. I think it's Greek. okay. But yeah, <laughs> that's close. I think. I hope I'm not offending anybody. Excuse my geography. Um, so let, let's let's first dive into this. So when, why, whom, when you uh, tell us about it. Let's get the yeah. Uh, I mean, basics, it, it is fundamentals. It is funny. You have a good point that a lot of people do know me as just like this tech person. But Irene is far from a tech company. Inherently, it is a tech company. It's using tech to solve a problem. Um, my, yeah, I'm going to give a long winded answer to this. So I think Please. around when I got into tech, uh, my history has been very interesting. I dropped out of school and just started this business when Android came out and, uh, I was trying to build like, um, uh, Netflix for games for Android. And so as I was, uh, going through it, I, I just started to, I, well, as I did that startup and that didn't work out, I said, okay, well, you know, I guess I'm not for startups or whatever. I'm going to try something else, uh, but I need to make money. So I went and joined a company called Kobo and Kobo was great because that really helped me understand how businesses work. Um, you know, I was 21 at that time. And so throughout my twenties, I've worked at a lot of very interesting startups and something that started to change in my way of looking at it was at first in my early 20s, I saw tech as a tech as a problem that needs to be solved. Um, as I went through my 20s, I realized that there are a lot bigger problems than building, you know, image filters or, you know, random apps. Uh, there are a lot of bigger problems that <coughs> aren't that need to be solved, but they need to be solved using tech. Uh, but tech is not the solution, right? If that makes any sense. Mm. In the case of Irene, you know, the, the problem for Irene is families are, when someone passes away, families are, you know, grieving, they're frustrated, they're confused, they're scared, they don't know what's going on, and they don't know what to do next. The solution isn't Irene as a website, right? That is not solving the problem. It's the process that we 
we take technology and the process that we put them through and the how we enable technology to help solve their problem, that's the solution. And so for me, I like looking and finding problems and Irene is this problem that uh, came came about. And it's funny because my co-founder and I both were thinking about Irene uh, at different, and we didn't even know each other at this point, actually. I was in Japan and I was trying to look at business ideas. And I saw that in Japan, they were handling death in a very interesting way. And it was very, again, they were using technology to help families uh, in this very awful time in their lives. And so I said, this is really cool. I haven't seen anything like this in North America. So how do I bring, uh, how do I do this in North America? Because by this time, I think I was around 27, 28. And I was not jaded of the tech world, but I was wanting to do more than just work at a company doing scrums every day and filling, finishing Asana tickets and just like fixing bugs, right? Or like mm -hmm. solving like PubSub or Google Cloud problems, stuff like that. It, it's not really changing anyone's life. It's just improving the bottom line. And so for me, I said, we're in a very, or I'm in a very interesting sector where I can make a lot of money uh, but why don't I make a lot of money doing something that's helping people and that's going to improve people's lives? Um, and so I said, all right, I'm started, I started looking at problems and I looked into crypto and seeing, is there something in crypto I can do? A um, bunch of different stuff. Eventually went to Japan, saw this problem and I came back. And one of the things I learned while doing multiple businesses, some of them which have worked out fairly well, some of them haven't, is that the businesses that work well or businesses that I have really good um, market knowledge on and really good deep insights on, or I'm working with someone that has those insights and I'm able to compliment them. And I have no insights on the world of death. Like, sure, people die, everyone knows that, but what happens after, I have no idea. Other than looking at these Japanese companies do very interesting things. So the idea was kind of just simmering in the back of my head and one day by chance, I met my co-founder Mallory and she wanted to chat with me about some ideas that she had about uh, businesses she wanted to do. Anyways, we chatted and nothing really stuck out as something that was doable. And then just, you know, funny enough, as the conversation was ending, we, you know, probably an hour long conversation. We spent 50 minutes brainstorming random businesses. Nothing was really sticking. Um, nothing seemed fun. And then at the last, just before going where, you know, we've paid the coffee bill, I asked her, well, you know, what are some other things you're interested in that are just like wild and out there? And she said, you know, this is funny because I don't really tell people this. Um, it just people, you know, it's just so strange in the tech world is that I am very interested in death because my family's been in the death space. Uh, her family owns a funeral home. And I remember going into my backpack and pulling out this <laughs> pitch deck that I got from this random Japanese company as I was there and I pulled it out and I put it on the table and I said look at this company in Japan this is very similar to what you're saying and what I've been thinking of let's start brainstorming on an idea in depth and so 2018 is when we started brainstorming on Irene and funny enough we thought we would be able to launch this within a couple months in 2018 um, and so what happened was um, I was leaving a tech company that I was working at and she was working at another tech company. And so we paused a bit because tech companies, we, they go up and down, you know how they are. 
Um, and so eventually she finally left and I had finally left, but this was like probably early 2019 now. And so at this point she said, are you still interested? I said, yeah, you know, I never, I still have the domain and everything. Let's do this. Um, so we started working on Irene and the idea was let's build a simple uh, prototype of Irene. And, and what Irene is, is it helps families. It's Canada's first virtual funeral home. You can come on and you can get a cremation or aquamation all online uh, without ever leaving your safe space, you know, your home, wherever you are. Uh, you can do it online 24-7 or you can call us and we have someone available 24-7 and the whole process is done for you. When I talk about technology solving problems, you know, you can press, a, you can fill out information and then that's it. We'll automatically fill out all the forms you need to fill out. Uh, you never leave, need to leave your house. We'll have someone go to where your loved one is, pick them up, take them to the crematorium, handle all that for you. All you have to do is either give us a call or just fill out some information. So this was the idea, and we built out the prototype. Uh, not even a prototype. I mean, we built out the entire business, uh, talked to our partners and stuff. And in Canada, the funeral space is very regulated. Um, the naive 2019 version of me thought, regulation, that's fine. Let's, we just need to apply for a license, and we'll get it. Little did we know that when we applied for a license, the, the Bereavement Authority of Ontario, the regulation in, in Ontario is really designed for the traditional funeral home. No one's really thought about what does a digital funeral home look like, right? You can draw parallels to this when you talk about, as much as I dislike it, but like cryptocurrency, right? Where there's a new form of monetary finance and people don't understand it, the banks don't understand it. It's the same form, right? Everything is, everything is built to protect the consumer. And then you have an industry that is so uh, old um, and has designed a certain way for physical access. And now you have two young people coming to them and saying, hey, government, give us a license. We're going to make this all digital. It's pretty scary to the government. And so I don't blame them. And so they started to uh, basically say, hey, you know, this this doesn't work. The regulation, there's nothing in the regulation uh, that allows you guys to do this. And so... We did, you know, funny enough, like this was, we spent 2019 kind of discussing this back and forth. We didn't get the license yet. And then COVID happened in 2020. And so we spent the rest of 2020 in a lot of ways lobbying the government uh, and talking to them and finding people in the government that are a lot more uh, future focused and thinking about what's right for the consumer in 2020, 2021 and on. And so we found a lot of good partners. The government was very helpful uh, once we started to talk to them. It, you know, it's funny, like both Mallory and I became lobbyists in a, in a weird way during COVID. So it's just like us sitting at our desks lobbying virtually. Um, but luckily, we were able to convince the government. Uh, they understood our business model. They changed some parts of the regulation, uh, made exceptions. And they said, all right, you guys can get this license. So December 2020 is when we were able to launch this. And so it sounds like it's such a, you know, like not an easy business, but it's like we're just filling out forms and we're helping families. It's nothing like we're not doing AI, ML, blockchain, all sorts of things. But like there's a lot of work that went into just getting to a point where we can launch. And then the amount of 
the amount of thinking that goes behind Irene is very interesting. It's unlike any other product that I've worked on because every other product that I've worked on, whether it's Kobo where I was doing eBooks, League where I was doing health insurance, Zoom.ai, I was doing our, uh, AI, NLP engines. None of them had the user in their most vulnerable state, right? And so when you have a user in their most vulnerable state, you cannot, you need to make sure your experience is solid and you need to make sure that your experience is well thought about because you can't have random constant, you know, JavaScript bugs or like weird pop-ups popping up all sorts of like random things that sometimes are acceptable when you're building these other things because you're like, whatever, that's an edge case. You can't really have edge cases here because if a family hits that edge case, you've already made a really bad time worse by not giving them the help they need. And it's so- It's a sensitive I, experience. It's, it's extremely sensitive. And so it, it's been really fun to build that, uh, thinking about how to build the back end, how to build the front end, how to- design and the design language and the illustrations, everything. So that in a nutshell is just like Irene and everything that I do there. And, and now it's most of my role at Irene is really around how do we get in front of families? Um, how do we have the right content available to them? And what tools can we get them so that when they do come to our site, uh, we're, we're empowering them and making them feel comfortable and not feeling like they're lost. Yeah, and visiting the site too, it is a, I don't, and I don't know, it's amazing that you all managed to establish like an aesthetic that's like visually pleasing, but also like not like calm as well. And it, it's really a nice experience yeah. that you all have built there. Yeah, Brian, Brian you. did you look up? Sorry, just quickly. Yeah, I mean yeah, I looked up Irene. It's personification of peace is what right. what uh, Irene is. Yeah. According to the Googles. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the name is interesting, right? Like yeah. when we were thinking of a name, the name was the hardest thing. What do we call this? You know, like cremation online, you know how weird and tacky that sounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. So um, I always, the first thing I do whenever I think about product names is I'm like, let's find like a cool code <laughs> name. And the code name ended up yeah. being the main name here because, you know, I just searched up Greek God names and something and, Irene came out, I'm like, this is such a good meaning. Like, let's just stick with it, right? And perfect. so Irene is just stuck. It is perfect, one. yeah. And I loved uh, how you're like, when she came back, you're like, I already have the domain. It's like the common thing. With yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, like, exactly, I, right? I bought the domain. We're ready. Let's yeah. go. Exactly. We have not a single line of code, but I went and bought that domain. In fact, I bought a bunch of domains. Irene, Irene Cremations, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, my domain portfolio is wild. Like, I have some pretty interesting domains. I'm curious uh, if you can share, was there another name that you all were like, but was the other possible big one? I am, I am sure there are, but I don't remember. Okay, I'm just curious. Uh, they were probably garbage, right? I mean, I just don't remember. <laughs> I mean, peace, personification piece, how do you beat that? I mean, in this yeah, exactly, scenario. exactly. Yeah. How do you beat that, right? Yeah. Um, so I actually don't remember what the other names were. Let me let me ask you a question, because you, you talked about this several times, maybe more. Uh, you said you found some inspiration from your travels in Japan. I wonder if you could communicate like what those are, because for me and probably a lot of people that haven't been to Japan and know what that experience is like, um, and specifically this one yeah. experience that we're talking about, um, could tell us a little bit of what that is and how uh, how families are dealing with that over there 
and uh, what the translation really of that looks like that you brought over to Canada? I think the my reading of Japan and the Japanese people are, are that they're very pragmatic and they're very, um, they're very, well, first of all, they're extremely nice. They're pragmatic and they're very down to earth. And so everything that they do in their architecture and just like when you talk to people and like the reason how I even got exposed to like funeral, I was on a vacation is that I met an old mentor of mine. He, he ended up becoming CEO of Kobo and then I left Kobo, but I stayed on good terms with him. And so when I went to Japan, I said, oh yeah, you know, Taka works at Tokyo. Let's like, let me reach out to Taka and see what he's doing. And I saw that he was working at a place called Kamakura Shinso. And I was like, and when I Googled it, I guess it was like Google Translate or whatever. I was like, what is this paper company? What is this tech guy that like ran Kobo and then was CEO of Viber? What is he doing at like a random paper company? Right? Like, did he burn yeah. out? <laughs> and so I, I went there and he called me in and that's where I got that presentation from that I pulled out of for Mallory. And he said to me, you know, this is what I'm doing here. And this is what Kamakura Shinso is. And as he told me about it, like a light bulb went out where I'm like, wow, this is this uh, elegantly explains what I've been trying to figure out is how I can use tech to solve hard problems uh, and real world problems, not like little, you know, simple, you know, make a how to deploy better, how to deploy your code better problem. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that those are any less challenging, but like something that brings me a lot of happiness is if I can make a big difference in someone's life. And so when he started to explain this to me, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember telling Taka that I'm probably going to go to Canada and like just figure out how to do this in Canada because you can't translate exactly what uh, Japan is doing in Canada. There's different cultures. There's different ways of we deal with death. The way Kamakura Shinso worked is that uh, it was more, uh, at least back when I was there, it was more like a... Expedia for Buddhist funerals, right? Where you can call them up and you have an operator, like they had like an entire operator center and someone would pick up the phone and they would go through all the different providers uh, in Japan, in your area and tell you the lowest price with package deals and all that stuff, right? Where they can be like, well, if you want like a, and I'm, I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but it's like, if you want a prayer plus like a visitation, then this is what you can do, right? This is the service to go uh. to. And so you can't really copy that here, nor did I, I thought I could do something a bit better, uh, but I could do it something for the Canadian audience, the North American audience in general. Um, and so that's where Mallory brought her insights because she knew exactly how families, because she grew up watching her, her dad take care of these families uh, and the funeral home that they own. So that's, that was putting two of it together was like, there's how that's what I can do with technology. And that's the problem to solve. That's an interesting point. Let me let me ask these these questions that since you said that then. So let me ask you about your customers, uh, per yeah. se. Uh, geographically, you, I mean, you keep saying Canada, but I want to know geographically, does that mean one, all of Canada? Um, you know, what are the what are the demographics? And if there are any competitors at all, um, in, in this space where you're where you're located where you're doing business if there are any kind of uh, differentiators if, if there's if there's any kind of competition so i'll go back to the first part and re restate that 
where exactly are these services located and what what's that radius like do you yeah. also say provide in in uh the the top part of the united states alaska whatnot we'll probably get into the united states soon uh and the united states is a whole different beast that i can talk about after but right now we operate in ontario uh one of canada's largest provinces um, and we operate anywhere in Ontario. And so this is how Irene works from the backend aspect, right? We don't have our own crematorium. Um, that is an asset that is just uh, too, too much to maintain. We don't want to carry that asset around. So what we've done is we've connected with funeral, uh, we've connected with crematoriums across the province. Um, so wherever you are, if you're in Thunder Bay, and you, you know, messages to Irene. Uh, the, the way, actually, to even explain it better, the way it works is there is a funeral home, then there's a crematorium, right? And sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're different. As a consumer, you just cannot go to a crematorium. You need to go through a funeral home. Um, and so we are that virtual funeral home. The advantage we have over a physical funeral home is that if you go to, like, an Apple funeral home, uh, across the street, Apple Funeral Home only serves a radius of, say, 15 kilometers, right? Because we're virtual, we can serve all over the world, but right now we serve Ontario only. And then when a family reaches out to us, they're dealing with Irene and Irene only. In the back end, we have a funeral partner, a, a crematorium partner in Thunder Bay. And so they'll reach out to us. We'll send, we'll get collector information online and then we'll fill out all the forms digitally, pick up their loved one. So the picking up the loved one, again, in the tech world, it's like using APIs. We have a transfer service that is automatically dispatched and this is a government regulated transfer service. So the end user is getting the exact same experience uh, in turn, not the exact same experience, they're getting the exact same quality um, as any other funeral home, because we're, we're all using the same transfer service and perhaps even the same crematorium in a lot of places. What, they're, what the differentiator is, they're getting it at a much lower rate because we're on Ontario on average, we're 50% cheaper purely because we don't have the physical cost of maintaining a physical funeral home, a physical crematorium. And we have a better experience uh, because you can do it in your safe space you, all you have to do is just go to Irene or you can just call that number. You can call us at like 4 a.m. in the morning and someone will pick up within a minute or even 30 seconds. Someone will pick up. Our funeral directors are amazing. They will pick up the phone and they will talk to you. They will comfort you and they will take care of everything you need at 3.30 a.m. It doesn't matter. And so that is our differentiator. And that's how technology enables uh, us to make that differentiation because I'm able to build that tech. I'm able to utilize tech that makes all this happen. This all reminds me a lot of um, uh, Daniel Daniel Burka, like his uh, resolve to save lives and the civil project and health and just how we're taking tech um, and partnering. You're partnering too with non, with non tech and kind of yep. pulling them into the tech era. So to speak, because I mean, you were just you're talking earlier about how there wasn't even regulation for this, and it's definitely yeah. an industry, especially for everyone. I mean, when you're you've lost someone and you're dealing with all that, having to like go into a location where other people have you know are there too, maybe, and maybe a funeral's going on, and uh, I like 
that's just so hard. And yeah. Um, so I applaud this uh, a, a great deal. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you, you are right. The partners we work with, they aren't, uh, you know, they're not, they don't, some partners have just like a typewriter, right? We're dealing with partners like this, but they're extremely good at what, what they do. And so we're helping them in a lot of ways come to the 21st century uh, because, you know, they're on typewriters sometimes uh, because they're amazing at what they do. They're great. They run a great crematorium. They have a beautiful place, like a scattering garden and stuff. And we're helping them increase, you know, uh, customers because we're able to reach out to a lot more people. We're able to enable a lot more people to come through our service than, you know, some like a local funeral home. Right. A local funeral home really has a maximum capacity that they can do because of the geographic radius that they're in uh, the, uh, and the amount of people that they can serve at any one time. This is a tech company. I can serve, you know, a million people if they go through our service on one day. Uh, it's all serverless. Right. So there's no there's no like need for more humans other than funeral directors uh, that we can just employ very quickly. Um, and scale up because again, this is all technology based. They they can be working remotely. They just have to have a phone. Yeah, I love that because um, you know, as as Brian said, I'll, I'll append to this a little bit. Um, you know, when 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 people lose a family member, it's it's probably the last thing you you think of of like, uh, how, what what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I speak to? You know, am I going to get my iPhone out and look through? you know, websites all day and find like exactly what I need. I, you know, I don't even know if like the price is right or whatever. Uh, you know, I might not even care or I might be uh, in a position where I go, you know, I, I can't even afford most of these things. And it, it's great to have that transparency and someone either to talk to or someone that to not talk to and just do this in the privacy of my own home where, you know, I'm already feeling vulnerable. I, I, I don't want to um, share my uh, my experience with somebody right now because I might not be in the state to share my experience but l let me ask you this question because I'm, I'm so I'm so curious um, obviously you said you you did a lot of lobbying uh, both of you to to get this going right you are seeing results you're seeing positive results you're, you're you know your company's growing. What what are those people saying to you now, or, or you know, have have you had any contact with them? Do you need to uh, provide any kind of uh, measurements or proof of you know this is going well, or you know, hey, after X amount of time, you need to uh, regain a license or something such as that? Do you mind yep. telling us about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So there is there is, um. um I guess it's an audit, right? Like they audit us, yeah. the regulators often. Um, one of the beauties about the business is that we really made sure everything was, you know, there's a time where I thought about putting stuff on an internal blockchain, but like really everything needs to be auditable. And so um, the idea was I'm going to make sure that everything is transparent. And so when the auditors come and they say, hey, can you tell us, your last 10 customers, all the files, all I really have to do is like select star in SQL and here it is, right? And so that's really what happens right now. It happens often. Um, and that's just the industry we're in and that's just the uncomfortable nature 
uh, a tech company playing in this space where there's no tech companies in Canada uh, doing this. And so the regulators, they want to make sure that the consumer is being protected. So I'm totally fine that they audit us often. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's totally okay with me. And it's not a lot of work for me because it is a select star statement. Um, so that is what happens. We're getting, in terms of customer feedback, it's been amazing. And to your part about transparency, one of the big things that I wanted to make sure was we're transparent, not even not in just terms of our price and customer uh, quality and stuff, but like we're actually transparent as a technology. After you go through us, you shouldn't have to hear from us till uh, unless we need to ask you a question or you need to, or we're coming and delivering, we hand deliver the earns. So uh, that's it, right? Like I don't want to be sending them like push notifications and all sorts of stuff that typical uh, companies do because that's how they get engagement. For me, the less engagement, the better. Once you come on and you yeah. fill it out, we want you would you just want to go back to your family and you know commemorate your lost loved one and do whatever you need to do without having to worry about Irene and there's a tech company. It's sending me emails. I got to read it and all that stuff. Yeah, one one thing I'm curious about, like why why do you think that we're not seeing more cases of tech really making change in various segments like this? Not just this, but like it seems like we're just getting the you know another image app, another chat app, and oh now we're going to do audio. Um, I mean, is it the difficulty of getting in the space or what? No. So there's two things. I'm sure these spaces are difficult. But there isn't a lot of VC money, nor there is a lot of angel money, right? It's mm. just not. It's funny because. But you think problems. angel money would want to invest in something like well, this? Well, yeah. Well, well, Maybe it's you. not so, sexy enough. Yeah. Yes. So that's the thing. It's not sexy. Um, I'll tell you this. We are profitable. Um, as of two, three months ago, we've been profitable. Despite having, we have eight engineers. I mean, not, we have eight employees, two engineers. Um, we're growing rapidly. We're starting to move across Canada. We're in the process of uh, applying and starting to get those licenses, but we're profitable. Not a lot of tech companies can say that. And this is one of the oxymorons of this industry, I guess, the paradoxes where it's just that the investor money isn't, it's hard to actually talk to investors because the investors are looking for the unicorns and the moonshots. And that's because that's how that business is structured. But, it's not that the investor. But itself, isn't this a moonshot though? Because I mean, you're yeah. like, it, like that's why I don't get. <laughs> there's so many. Well, there's the so many, Yeah, it's not sexy though. I, fundamentally, fundamentally, yeah. you have, fundamentally, you have a VC firm where even if the investor personally likes it, the investor needs to justify that if, say, Anderson Horowitz raises a hundred million dollars, they need to write. 10 checks of $10 million. Yeah. If they write a one check, say they gave a check to Irene for $10 million, they need to justify that Irene might give them uh, a $10 billion exit, right? And so can I give them a $10 billion exit? Probably in like 10, 15 years, perhaps there are the, the funeral industry mm. has companies that have gone public, but it is not a company that will give them a $10 billion exit in three years on like a crazy valuation. And so that is the kind of the hard part about the industry. Luckily, we are profitable. 
Um, so right now we are raising again. It is another friends and family round. And so our what I did and what Mallory did was when we first raised money, um, we raised 250K and we said, let's reach out to uh, uh, entrepreneurs we know. Because what I found is angels, like Brian, you said, angels are willing to give the money, but it depends on type of angel. There's yeah. a lot of angels that still are kind of on the upper level, nearing VC level, that aren't ready to give money because they're still looking for MRR, SaaS type businesses, because those are very predictable. And if you want to put money in a very predictable business, great. MRR and SaaS, you show that, you know that this company is going to survive unless there's like a crazy scandal or some big competitor comes and kills you. Uh, we don't have MRR, right? I hope I don't get MRR. I don't want a family coming to us every week, every month, right? Losing someone. Um, so that'd be terrible. Do you have and a two so, for one package? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's terrible. So yeah. um, for us, it's a one time, one time experience. And so there, what we, Mallory and I did was we reached out to all the tech entrepreneurs in Toronto, everyone that we knew, and they're very supportive. And so we have some of the smartest entrepreneurs who said, great, you know, you're raising 250K, here's 10K, here's 5K, like we'll help you. And so now that we're profitable, I'm in a very interesting spot because if I was a SaaS company, profitable SaaS company, I'd be able to raise so much money just going to any Silicon Valley investor. But I'm a profitable non-tech, uh, non-sexy company. And so uh, for us, it's like, okay, let's raise another 250K. Uh, we're raising again. Let's you know, our, our angels are completely on board, but let's try to diversify the pool and add some new angels with a different perspective because our angels have all been helpful in you know, providing their perspective on end of life, providing their help in terms of business, uh, lobbying, politics, whatever. Um, so that's what we're doing now. But it's very hard for business, for entrepreneurs to do. Maybe this is just in Toronto also. I don't know if it's different in Silicon Valley, right? But it's hard for entrepreneurs to do non-sexy businesses um, and and get the same level of hype and um, money thrown at them as if I started an NFT company that sold uh, monkeys, right? Like I would get so much money right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like I'd be on a yacht right now um with you know drawing stupid <laughs> monkeys and so that's the difference and i think that will change yeah. i i strongly because what i what my belief is what ends up happening is these tech cycles their bubbles go away you saw this bubble mm -hmm. back in 2012 to 2014 right with mobile you built a fart app you built yo someone oh, yeah. threw money at you right God. and then yo, now yeah. that one made no sense exactly, right through money, that's the point. Yeah. right? And then the bubble burst, and now it's almost impossible to raise money if you're a mobile app unless you have a solid business. So now it's all about SaaS and all that stuff. It's it's not about the technology, it's not the business model. But I think this, yeah. this idea will go away because now you have crypto and all these other businesses, business models, which are most of the time Ponzi schemes uh, that make zero sense. But you have these different types of business models that don't – that this bubble will explode soon enough, right? And when this bubble does explode, the investors will start to think about, well, we've made a lot of money because 
most people will make money anyways. We'll make a lot of money. How do we take this money and invest it in really solid business models? And so probably in like five years, this will happen. And then there'll be another bubble with something else, probably VR or something crazy. And we'll continue the cycle. I, I just I saw that in Silicon Valley. I just hope all the artists that for like years have been, you know, essentially living paycheck to paycheck, hoping they sell a painting, like get so much money and cash it all out. And yeah, <laughs> oh. they, they totally you, deserve you, it. You can, NTFs. Yeah. Listen, if you can make money off NFTs and crypto, do it because that money isn't going to be there next year. If yeah. you can't make money, who cares? It's a scam anyways. It, there's the biggest scam. Like I can go on and on about NFT. I actually was a still am a big believer in crypto. I am not a believer in the use case right now uh, because the use case right now is just about, you know, it's funny. I read tweets about how crypto is going to enable uh, the 99% and empower them and all sorts of bullshit. But all it's doing, it's just making rich people richer. And we're all we're doing is just playing Pokemon cards with tons of money, right? So it's not really adding value to the world. All it's doing is just rich people are going, cool, I bought this like monkey or this thing with laser eyes and I'm making more money off it. And that's it. So one day I hope there is good applications for crypto. Um, I would love to see those, but right now it's not the right time. Sounds yeah. like we need to get you on the show to talk about crypto and NFTs next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows where that I built, goes? Here, I, 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 2017, I built a, not, it wasn't a company, it was a fun project in crypto. Uh, this was during the first initial hype. And I built uh, a gaming called Arcade Block. You could like bet money and all that stuff. And that was fun. And then it didn't really work out and I killed it. And then I held on to all my crypto and I said, cool, the next, thankfully this bubble's gone. This, this uh, era of exuberance is gone. And the next, in the next couple of years, we'll see actual applications for crypto. And then the next couple of years came and the, the era of exuberance came back, but now amped up uh, because all the tech people had nothing better to do than just sit home on their computer. And so we just like, these guys went crazy. These people went crazy. And then yeah, and then I'm like, forget it. I'm selling all my crypto because it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, I, have, I have two questions before we start uh, winding down. Uh, the first question, Faisal, is do you have any kind of competitors in the continental United States that are doing something such as this or doing exactly this? And uh, what 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 are their challenges and how... How are they different from what you're doing now, yeah. if they exist at all? So there's, there might be a bit more, but altogether in this entire planet Earth, there's probably six companies that do what Irene does. Uh, there is two companies in America, uh, in California uh, and Los Angeles. And I mean, California area and uh, Portland, Oregon and stuff. Uh, one is called Solus and another is called Tulip. And then there is one in the UK. Uh, I don't remember the name. There's one in Australia. And then there's Irene in Canada. And I believe there's one more. I can't remember. I think there's two in the UK. And so all of us do similar things. Uh, the closest thing to Irene is probably Tulip. Um, yeah, I guess Tulip or Solus. 
Tulip is found. Uh, Tulip got acquired uh, a couple of years ago by a bigger funeral home. Solus is started by ex Nike VPs or something. Some smart guys there. Mm-hmm. So we're all trying to solve the same problem. There, we're all in different markets, and these markets are really tough. So the reason America is very tough, especially California, is that there is almost a race to the bottom, um, where there's not a lot of margin because in California you have to basically own not you have to but you pretty much have to own your own crematorium so now you're suddenly dealing with land expansion you know i if i want to expand to like you know i don't know la i need to go and build a crematorium near la or i need to be able to transfer bodies right real estate um the irene business model really no one has and that's kind of a a byproduct of just the regulation in Canada where I can't just go and build crematoriums. They're extremely regulated because of environment and all that stuff. And so we've kind of taken a totally different business model approach where we're like, let's just, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Uber, right? Where we're not, we don't own, like Uber doesn't own any of these taxi cars. Uh, They just partnered with absolutely everyone. So we're partnering up with everyone then we want, and the, the beauty about us is because it's a regulated space, Uber got into a non-regulated space and then they got regulated. Because we were already in a regulated space, we already play by the rules. And so we can't, you know, tell a crematorium, sorry, we're only going to pay you like a hundred bucks. No, the law says the crematorium must be paid X. So we pay them X, we can make our margin there. And then we're able to just partner with as many crematoriums as possible. Yeah, it's very it's, it's it's interesting how all this uh, works. It's it's actually fascinating to me um, the technology and, and this business my, model. Uh, my I'm my sorry. entire my, my entire philosophy behind Irene is to build the most transparent and ethical business possible. Um, this is something I learned with one of my mentors. He had sold a funny enough a dating company for a lot of money back in in Canada back in the nineties. And one of the things he told me, and you know, he's massively wealthy, he told me that there's no point in trying to, you know, do dark patterns and like little tiny scams and like hurting people because that will eventually bite you in the ass later on. Try to always build the most ethical and transparent product because if you actually have a good business, people will pay for it and people will recommend you. So that's always stuck yeah. with me. And so whenever whenever we're building something, it's like, how do I make this as transparent, as simple as possible? So users always feel like there's trust both ways. I love that. Yeah, it's very, very admirable. And it's a very needed service. Um, speaking of the services, uh, one of the things that I read on the blog that uh, my last question before we get to a few things here, uh, where we close is uh, Aquamation, and, and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm saying that, pronouncing it incorrectly, but Aquamation has no direct emission of harmful greenhouse gases or mercury and requires no burning of fossil fuel. So how long does this uh, does this process take to, uh, like it's, it's supposed to be like a, a alkaline hydraulics or, or something like yeah. that, like, like, yeah. like, is this like, is, is there the same, um, I hate to use the phrase here, but like turn around if, uh, you know, I want to get the service done. And um, is there like a, obviously this, this sounds like a much better way to go. I'll, I'll just let you explain it. If you, <laughs> if you will. It is, 
it's a very eco-friendly, uh, environmentally friendly way uh, because there's no harmful emissions being uh, put into the environment. And, you know, I think it is the future that this is what's going to happen. The way it works is I don't know the science, but yes, you all right. It, the technical term is alkaline hydrolysis or aquamation. And what it does is it's 95% water, 5% alkali, and the water molecules and the alkali and everything mixed in with temperature uh, break down the body. Uh, it's in this really cool looking aquamation machine. Um, and so when someone passes away, and it's not even, really not that even that expensive, it's 2,500 for a cremation, $3,000 for an aquamation, right? And so just 500 more. Um, and I'm sure the price will go down as more people use it. And so the body is put inside uh, this aquamation machine and it takes around, it's, it's not like cremation where it's so fast, um, but it takes, I think, and I could be really wrong here, but like six hours or so uh, to fully like aquamate a body. Um, but when it's done, what's really nice is the ash that you get, like the, the remains, you get a lot more of it because the body dissolves in a, in a very graceful way. And then the bones are left and the bones are essentially broken down. And so you get a lot more of your loved one. Um, and so you have, you have like an urn. So families, families are trying to prefer it because they go, okay, you know, my loved one was um, very environmentally conscious. So I think they would have appreciated aquamation. Yeah, it's it's amazing all these different services, and I, 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 I appreciate it. I'm sure others appreciate it as well. And so, Faisal, we're we're getting to the end of the show, and we'll we'll try to end with a little bit of levity. But I, first off, I, I if you look outside of your window, is it lightning out there? Oh God, I love that. <laughs> Oh, Brian, I, thought, I thought it was great. the highway lights that you guys saw. Okay. Oh, lightning round. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, so uh, you're, you might be familiar with the lightning round. We each ask you a question. I'll go first. Uh, you answer in rapid su succession. Let's see how many we can get through. Uh, lot, the record is 100. Let's try and beat that. <laughs> um, do you actually want pineapple on your pizza? No. Fair answer. I like pineapple, but not my pizza. Basil, what is your, honestly, uh, what is your favorite thing about yourself, about you? I, I can figure out problems pretty quick. Love it. What current fact about your life now would absolutely impress your five-year-old self? That I'm actually doing what I love. Faisal, if you could not be around a computer for the rest of your life, what would you be doing professionally? I would make movies. Hmm. Okay, you're in the circus. Would you rather be the person that sticks their head inside the lion's mouth or shot out of a cannon? Probably shot out of a cannon. No one likes the lion. <laughs> Faisal, what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Um... Probably Simpsons. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, would you rather be able to run at 100 miles per hour or fly at 10? Probably full flash or Wonder Woman. I don't know. Uh, probably fly. <laughs> 
Faisal, what podcasts are you listening to recently for um, just just to relax? Oh man, um, I was, oh, well, I was listening to uh, Lex Friedman, which is a pretty cool podcast. I, I try to go mm -hmm. for the scientist he brings on, and it's really interesting. Love it. What chore do you absolutely, absolutely hate doing? Uh, putting loading up the dishwasher. <laughs> I wish I wish someone makes a robot for this. Every time I load it, I'm like, this, this needs to be automated. This well, is a hard know, problem to solve. Next year, uh, uh, Musk might bring it out. But uh, Faisal, let me get back to this. What would you tell your 18 year old self if you could go back in time? Um, don't stress so much. As as I as I get older, I start to stress less and less. Okay, you have 30 minutes of completely free time, no obligations. How do you pass it? I will either play Halo uh, or I will lie on the couch and just watch YouTube videos. Hmm. Love it. What are you reading for educational purposes? I bought this book called Crafting Interpreters. Um, it is by uh, Robert Nystorm. It's a really cool book on building interpreters and stuff. So um, that's that's been interesting. It's right here, actually. Oh, show it. I'll plug the book. Please. Oh, nice. What general fact just amazes you? That we are so tiny in the universe. Like I'm fascinated about galaxies and stuff and just understanding at the scale that we exist in, even in the span of time, we're, we're insignificant. It's amazing. Faisal, do you play an instrument? And if you do, what is it? And can you show us? No, I don't play an instrument. Good try there. I know you know what he's trying to do there. <laughs> Shh, don't ruin that for everybody. Your turn, go. Um, where do you mind not waiting? Like you're perfectly fine just waiting. Uh, in a line to a movie. I, I have waited like six, seven hours for to watch a movie. What? All right. Wow. What what movie? Uh, that's gonna be my question then. What movie Star Wars was episode it? Three. Ah, okay. Brian. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what do you miss most about being a kid? Um Hmm. I guess like recess and stuff was always fun. There was always drama and like, it was always like a reality show happening. So that was fun. This will be my last question. Faisal, if you could solve just one world problem, what would it be? What, what would it be? Ooh, um, energy, probably something to do with, um, energy storage or energy production. I think just having a lot of energy and being able to store it really well would just empower so many people in parts of the world where they don't have energy. And no, climate no, change, it would just fix everything. No, 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 Faisal, hold on to your hat. If you if you don't have a hat on, which you don't for our audio listeners, I suggest getting one and putting one on and holding on tight because I believe Brian's gonna tell a joke. What now? I before I go with my last one, I think you should uh, ask the the traditional one you've always asked. It's Halloween month. Faisal, Faisal, yeah, it's very well put, Brian. Thank you so much, Faisal. You come home, 
it is late. I mean, like two thirty seven in the morning. It is raining cats and dogs, like literal. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're like, I just need to get in the house. You get in your keys. You get in the house. You close it. You turn around. You look, and there's a ghost. What do you do? I run. Probably most likely run. <laughs> well done. Okay, all right. There all we right. Go. Fair enough. Okay. All right, th- here's where you should have had that hat on, Brian. You're, you can't do that. Build it. Why, why wouldn't the skeleton go trick-or-treating? Because it had, I don't know. I don't, I because he know. didn't have any guts. Oh, hey, I got one for you. Ready? Brian, what does a vampire never order at a restaurant? Steak. That's it. Why? Oh, steak. Oh. We're in steak here. Speaking of vampires, I hope you guys watch while we're doing the shadows. I love it. Every single episode and the movie. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Amazing. It's so good. I want my witch hat. Yeah. I I, I love that show. My theory is. You have a Lazlo look going on too, so. Oh, yeah. And I love Matt Berry. He is just amazing. Oh, wait. Yeah. 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 Such a good show. I watched a recent vampire one, Only Lovers Left Alive. Highly yes. recommend. It was I told you about that movie so long ago. Yes. I don't believe I it. I downloaded it. I have to watch it. I, I did. I told you. I can't. I saw on Twitter you said you just watched it. And I was like, Brian, I told you about that forever ago. It I don't know what you're talking so, about. so good. It is really good. Yeah. Anyway, Faisal, we're right about at the end. Uh, two last things. First, uh, what's the best way people could find out about you and uh, Irene? Um, real, what you have on the screen, right? You can add me on Twitter. Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn or you can go to irene.ca directly and check it out. Excellent. All right, great. And for our last segment, thank you for the dancing Brian audio listeners. I suggest you go back and take a look. Words of wisdom. Faisal, we like to provide our guest with a closing opportunity to provide words of wisdom to our audience. Faisal, the stage is yours. Um, it's what I did. It's just work your ass off to try to get to a point where you can do exactly what you want to do, uh, how you want to do it. Um, you'll have to grind for a while, I'm sure, many years. Um, but but grind with the thing, with the goal in mind that you're saving for some amount of money for some type of life that you want, and then just do it. As soon as you hit that number, just do it. I love it. Well Excellent. Said. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Faisal, man, we're, we're at the end of the show and I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and talking about Irene and uh, the uh, amazing product and service that you're putting out there, which I, you know, helps out a ton of families um, in, in a way that is appropriate, uh, especially in this day and age. So it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank yeah. Thank you for spending uh, another bit of your time with us. Time is valuable. Yeah. And you, yeah and you shared it with us and we appreciate that. Yeah. I really appreciate it. So that being said, thank you everybody. Really appreciate you watching the show and we'll catch you next time. Take care all.
for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us review. Keep a few stars our way. I enjoy the best podcast for technology out there, and that is Thunder Nerds. That's our new intro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't mind if we use that. I'll ask about it after the show. Oh, I love penguins. I love Frederick. Oh, I love penguins. I should have known the Territor didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?